0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. We literally had a meeting at the end of the year to try to figure out what other churches we wanted to bless, particularly church plants. In Jacksonville and Brazil and Uganda and all over the world, what are some of the other church plants and ministries that we would like to bless because of your incredible generosity. So. 2012 uh, so is awesome, and I know probably what I'm supposed to do here is cast this great vision about 2013. And I believe God's going to do amazing things in 2013. I think more people will get saved. I think we'll continue to grow as church. I think we'll still set records with Compassion and International. I believe all of those things are, are going to happen. And um, so today, what we're going to talk about is pain and suffering. So let's just get yeah, out we roll at 1122. Uh, and I'm hoping that's not our vision for next year. But that's where we are in the text. We're in Acts chapter seven, verse 54. We're finishing up on this. I'm talking about this guy named Stephen. And uh, it's not going to go well for him today. And here's what I tell about us in this room. Look, I hope and I pray that 2013 is your best year ever but for some of you. And it's going to be tragic. It's going to be tragic. And you know what's going to have to do That'll either. Right? See, next year we can talk about it. But it, it is for some people this next year, 2013 is going to be. Tragic. Again, it's it's not a popular message, especially at a young, growing evangelical church like ours. To stand up at the beginning of the year with the sermon, follow Jesus, and it may end badly. Anybody wanting to say, "Man, I'm so much excited about about this message," but the problem is, and what we can slip into in our kind of Western consumeristic church culture is um, there's a lot of folks that. Maybe not even mean to, but they think that God owes them something. And we kind of feel like we make this deal with God. God, if I go to church enough, and if I give a little, and if I raise my kids in your church, and if I do the right thing, then you owe me. You owe me the raise. You owe me the promotion. You owe me a job. You owe me a date. You owe me health. You owe me, a healthy kid. You owe me. In essence, what we try to do is put God in our debt. And the problem with that, again, it's a very popular message, and you can grow a big old church preaching that thing. You walk out of there every week, and it tastes good and it feels good, but it's like feeding cotton candy to a dog. Have you ever done that? You should try it. It's awesome. You give your dog cotton candy, and they go, and then they're like, "Where to go?" But man, they'll bite your face off so trying to get some of that. And there's a lot of people swarming to that message, because again, it is sweet and empty problem with it. It's the gospel, that's the real problem. The problem is that it's this document from the Bible, because if you just look through the Bible, very rarely do you find a story where uh, God just takes care of all the loose ends. In fact, all throughout the Scriptures, um, God just really wants us to know that we follow Him because we get Him, not because of the cash prizes that come along with it. But God never promises that. If you don't believe me, I mean, just think about who we talked about last week for the whole time. You know we talked about? Moses. Moses was a faithful man of God. He followed God. He did not those things. His face shone. He spent time with the Lord. He wrote out the Ten Commandments. He's kind of a big deal in the Bible. And then if you look at the end of his ministry. You know what his ministry is? 40 years of leading some complaining, grumbling people, only to be taken up on the mountain. And God says, There it is, the promised land, Moses, which you've been looking for for 40 years the land flowing with milk and honey, and you know in that moment, Moses is saying to praise God, finally, all of that blood, sweat, and tears, and faithfulness is finally going to pay off, and I to take the people into the promised land, which God like, oh, I'm killing you on the mountain that Joshua, who's done nothing, he gets to take him in. But so you it's going down ministry, right, because that's how sometimes it goes. You follow God, and it it's badly, or, or if you do any of the prophets. My favorite is Jeremiah. I know you all studied Jeremiah over the holidays, right? Really. remember Jeremiah's promise? God tells Jeremiah, follow me. Lame walk is the year of the Lord's favor. And then he stops with four declarations. In Isaiah the 61, there's a fifth one, and you know what it is? And the captives have been set free. Guess what? he leaves out in his communication back to his cousin? Yeah. So the disciple goes back to John the Baptist and says, Hey, we do have to look for another one. Jesus said, He is the one, and here's how we know uh, the Gospels is being preached to the poor, the blind see, the lame walk. It is the year of the Lord's favor to John the Baptist, who knew the passage well? I was going, not there one more? There's one more about captives. Come on. You can't be say one more? No, he didn't mention anything about the captives, and then John the Baptist gets his head cut off in prison. Follow Jesus, and it may end poverty. So aren't you excited about this message today, correct? So let me just tell you this. Uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to dive in and talk about pain and suffering, and uh, here's, here's partly why. Um, I don't ever want to 11:22, uh, just to become a pep rally, where we, you come in here after walking through your real life, the mess of your real life, and the pain and the suffering of your real life, and then walk in here to some kind of just fake, false pep rally. Now, that doesn't mean that that we don't believe that God is good and God is for us, and we we are more than conquerors, and He is a good Dad that wants to bless us. But it also means Stephen, who we've been on for the last four weeks, he says now. When they heard these things, so if you weren't here last week, uh, Stephen has been arrested and been tried, and they accused him of blasphemy. And his answer essentially was, "By denying Jesus, you are denying the Holy Spirit of God. You, so ruling council, you are enemies of God." And so that's what they heard. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they cried their disdain. Have you ever do that? Most of your kids, maybe this morning. With God. But when Jesus, even full of the Holy Spirit, gazed in the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and they rushed together at him. And then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their garments. Saul. But so you're going to want to get on the name Saul. If you're a new to Bible study, Saul's going to end up being a big deal right now. It's almost like a code check guy, out he's. Jesus said seven different things on the cross, and one of the last things he said on the cross sounds a lot like this. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And so if, if you were at the cross and you heard Stephen quoting Jesus here, you said, going oh!" verse 60 and falling on his knees, and this isn't like falling in prayer or worship, it's just rocks or him, he's going to die. He's falling to his knees, he tried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against it. Which again, if you're familiar with the things that Jesus said on the cross, the first thing he said after the Roman soldiers pierced his hands and his feet and hung up on the cross, the first thing he said, his father forgive them. Some of us do. His father forgive them, but they know not what they do. And so here you got Stephen, you want to talk about progressive sanctification. a guy. I remember him four weeks ago, he was just a head waiter. He was just taking food to the Jewish widows that didn't have food. That's what he was doing is delivering food. And now in his death, uh, Jesus tells us that what comes out of the mouth is really an overflow of the heart. And so it's an overflow of the heart of this man as he's going through pain and suffering is to quote his Lord and Savior from the cross. He says, Father, don't even hold these sins against me. Now this ending part of the This is just for free. But did you know, Christian, that you cannot you know, sign on can't simultaneously have your eyes upon the God who died on the cross for our forgiveness and withhold forgiveness from, some, or from someone else. And if there's somebody in your life that you have yet to forgive and you are a Christian, it's because Standing there is so one of the disciples. You're thinking, "Oh, coming for us next." And you're thinking, "God, what happened? I Thought you were in charge. I thought I thought you were in control. How in the world could you let one of your people steal? And don't you promise protection and provision?" And he's crying out you. And the reason he's in this trouble is because of you. He's just proclaiming you. And God, if you would save him, you know he'll just tell more people about you. See, it's one thing. Saul through his execution. Saul, here he goes again. The code check guy is not actually the code check guy. He's kind of in charge. He's the one running this whole operation. He's just holding the codes. He don't want to get his hands dirty, literally. So he's holding the codes, but he approved of it. He's the one that cleared this. That's that setting this up to send people to try to stomp out Christianity. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. So from this day on, now they're not just going against, uh, going after apostles and disciples, but there's great persecution against all of the church. And so think about it. Imagine if you were one of the church members of the early church, which, by the way, I hear this all the time, especially from young preachers, like, me. ish um, As I say, man, I just wish we could get back to the early church. Are you go, do you read your Bible? You sure you want to go back when they throw rocks in your hands until your dance of singing worship songs? Because I kind of like church the way we do it now, I don't you? One of the most suffering things I had to go through as far as church goes this week is you got a parking spot out there by the old wind, Dixie. And you're know, like, oh, the pain and suffering that I endured to worship Jesus, right? I had walked all the way here. And I think it was maybe even just a little bit. This is probably what it was like following Moses towards the promised land and wandering for 40 years. I know what that's like because I didn't get a good parking spot, right? That's, that's kind of how we suffer. So we yeah, don't want to go back. on that day, a great persecution against the church. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And this is very important. But this is very important. So persecution comes against the church. I don't know if God instituted it, but he definitely really allowed it loud because he's sovereign. And it was as a result of the persecution that the church scatters. And the apostles stay in Jerusalem and some men and women go to Judea, and some men and women go to Samaria. Now, why is that important? Well, if you were here the second week that we were in existence as the church, you'll remember the sermon. It was on Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And Acts chapter 8, verse 1 is the fulfillment of the commandment of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you know what the disciples did with that? They heard that coming And they said, all right, we will receive power. We all have to receive power, don't we? When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that will be a little bit freaky, but it will be awesome, okay? And then we will be your witnesses in Jerusalem. Okay. And then they never went anywhere outside of Jerusalem. They disobeyed the command of Jesus. Because Jesus did not say, I hope you will be my witnesses to ends into the earth, Lord have time, or if you feel called to, or if you have a piece about it, then you go and be my witnesses, but he said you will, and so they didn't, so you know what, God allowed, God allowed pain and suffering, God allowed the persecution of the local church to fulfill what he said would happen, and here's the thing, the thing about God's will, God's will will happen, I mean there's nothing can before the place of God, yeah. he's going to do what he's going to do, you want to be a part of it, amen. And if not, you might want to watch out, okay? Because your knee will bow, or your knee will bow. You can humble yourself, or you can be humble. But it's gonna happen. And so it's actually. The And he does it, and he allows it. And here's the thing about about most of us. I mean, as Western consumeristic Christians, um, most of us as Christians we want to glorify God. We do, but we want to glorify Him on our terms, right? And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with this. Um, most of us say, you know what, Lord, we want to glorify you in our successes. Just bless me, and I'll tell everybody it was you. This is going to be an awesome plan, okay? Hook me up, and I'll hook you up. Bless me, and I'll point to you. I mean, give me a raise. Let me write a song that wins a, a Grammy and at the podium, I'll say, thank you, Lord. And see, blessings and blessings, I've got this all figured out. Lord, in my success, I'll give credit and glory to you. And sometimes that's how God decides to do it. Sometimes God... God lets you have the super stud athletic kid, right? And you're like, thank you, Jesus. Just help me to pray. I'm going to raise them up in such a way that when they score the touchdown, they'll point to you and everybody will know, glory to God. Or when they do something good on the field, they might even go down in a super pose, right? Super prayer pose. And people will say, glory, all right? God, give me that kind of kid. Work in me that way and I will give glory to you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with pursuing that. So sometimes God says okay and blesses you like bless crazy for this glory, and other times He goes, man, we're going to go it a different way. You see, the problem is is when we try to evaluate God's goodness by our circumstances. It's why I say I don't care about your feelings because you're hot your feelings about your Lord. And what we do as consumeristic Western Christians is um, we'll, we'll, we'll look at our circumstances and try to make it like God's will to match our circumstances. like if you're driving down the road and you can go, oh, obviously it's the Lord's will that I go to Krispy Kreme. Oh, and there's a fucking spot at the door, glory to God, and I feel a peace about it. And I feel this warmness here in my soul, that must be my soul, and I feel like there's an emptiness that He wants to fill and He's providing And I've got a verse from the Old Testament about hot and ready manners from you heaven, see how it all works out. Have you ever make those kind of deals with, with God, like with the Powerball got like to 600 million? Man, I prayed, man, got me a ticket, all okay? right? I'm about okay, I was going to tithe. Okay. I had already worked out with the Lord. Lord, and I didn't even know how to fill out one of the things. I've never done it before, but I went and I was in line with a bunch of fellas that I don't think we were on the same educational plane and that they were showing me how to fill out the Powerball thing. they lied to me because I didn't win, but I made this deal with God. Lord, I'm going to win this thing in Jesus' name. I'm going to tithe. Six hundred million, and I'll disperse it just the right way. All okay. right, to be biblical here, very fair. Say, God's only going to give ten percent, and uh, Lord, since it's for your glory, let's not nice split this thing up with some idiot in Kentucky that doesn't even know you. Allow your son to go ahead and get in here right now, okay? And and it'll be for your name. And sometimes God says, "Also, yeah, that's how that's how I'm, I'm going to bless you for my Lord." Because sometimes God goes, "Man." I tell you what. The way we're going to work this one out for you is, I'm going to be glorified in your pain. I'm going to be glorified in your suffering. I'm going to be glorified in your. Sense to her, why could not have a an in her breakfast. right? Almighty Sovereign Daddy, how come um, all you gotta do is reach right out here? It's so easy. The like three bucket is right there. You know, you have to stretch far. And you can give me what I want, but I know it's dead. And that's not exactly what you need right now. I love you. I love you too much. And so, God, sometimes, sometimes God decides he's gonna be glorified in C.S. Lewis says it this way. I put it as a point because it just it just seems so clear the way he says it. C.S. Lewis was a 20th century theologian. You are the mere Christianity, screw take letters, the problem of pain. He was a professor of uh, medieval mythology at Cambridge and Oxford some of those places. He was big buds with J.R. Tolkien. They would sit in a pub. I'm sorry again, Madison. They would sit in a pub. says this right after World War II. He says this: that God whispers to us in our pleasures, He speaks in our conscience, but He shouts in our pain, and it is his megaphone to rouse in us. And He does. He speaks to us in our pleasures, but a lot of times in our pleasures, it's hard to hear God, because we're so focused on how great we are and how He's manipulated the situation for us. And he just, He talks to us in our conscience, but sometimes he shouts in our pain. But he uses pain and suffering to be a megaphone, not just to us, but also for this world. When every time I, I've read that quote, it reminds me of Jonah. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah was a prophet of God, a reluctant prophet. God uh, calls him to go to Nineveh, uh, and he's like, "I would go." The only problem is I hate all the people who live there, so I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going to Tarsus. And God says, "When you think you're going, then you can go. and you gonna go where I tell you, you will go." Okay? And uh, He sends a big fish and swallows him up and takes him to where He was going to go and cubes him out. So in other words, you can obey God or you can obey God. Those are your options. One way is a nice like cruise. The other way, you smell like cubes. Either way, you're going to Nineveh. Uh, that's where you're going. Um, I don't think have ever walked. With Jesus for a little while, and he's coming. That is what happened in the first church, right? Delayed obedience, and then it was the persecution that helped him be obedient. You see, sometimes God brings out the megaphone of pain to get our attention. Uh, J.I. Packer, in knowing God, he he says it this way, He still he seeks the fellowship of his people. Which that phrase right there should just, we could just. even with all the junk we bring to God, and still, even with all the broken promises I'll never, and from today forward, and still, he seeks the fellowship of his people and will send them both joy and sorrow to detach their hands from the things of this world and attach them to himself. And in the first century, God saw fit to allow the first century church to be persecuted so that they would be obedient to Christ's command to go into all the earth. And it was the persecution that detached their hands from the things of this world and attached it to Himself. The way I pray for us as the church is this. Every, place tomorrow morning at church, I'll pray for us from home, time. And one of the things I'll pray for us is that God, you would bless us or break us, whatever it takes to draw us unto you. I want to first start. Pray because the gospel is not followed Jesus, and He works out all the details. The gospel is followed Jesus, and you get Jesus. That the gospel is what what God tells Paul in 2 Corinthians, when Paul prays three times, he begs God to remove the thorn from his flesh, and God says, "No, but my grace is sufficient for you." In other words, I am more than enough. That even if you don't work out all of your circumstances, but if you didn't have God, then you don't have Of fear and trembling. Sometimes he has to bring out the megaphone, Jacob you know, Packer said. Sometimes it's pain, and sometimes, it, I mean, sometimes it's joy, and sometimes it's sorrow. But whatever it takes to you attach your hands to the things of this world and attach them to himself and i break us or bless us. Whatever it takes to draw us unto ourselves. Well, here's the thing even knowing theological truths that you can agree with. And the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to so, write this next verse, verse 2. This is after Stephen is dead. He says, Developed men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. So they were there, they experienced it. They saw, they saw Stephen's face shine, and they saw him proclaim Christ. They saw him uh, ask for forgiveness for the people. But then, when Stephen died, what did they do? Great lamentations. That means they, they wept bitterly. Part of what I want to do here. he's like, well, how can you be crying? No, no, this funeral isn't sad; it's happy because they're with Jesus and they're in heaven. And don't you believe in Jesus? And if you're crying, then then you know why are you crying? Because they're not crying; they're in heaven with Jesus, and we should be happy. And even though yeah, well, that's true, and there's hope, well, but there's also pain. By the way, that's not how Jesus acted in this funeral. In John chapter 11, when Lazarus dies, and Jesus shows up, what does he do? And, and there's also this—I don't know who made this up too—but whenever I find a am dumb, the whole thing of like, "Well, I've got to be strong for my family," instead like withholding emotion and somehow gives somebody else strength. Who made that up? It's actually the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus shows up in pain, in, in the pain of his friends, Mary and Martha, as they're crying over their dead brother Lazarus, and he didn't walk in and go and watch this, stoic, feel better. Oh, that's silly. It's so silly. In fact, I think it's wild. Thank you pastor, uh, you can go home now. we you to the prayer request card. But that's just not wrong. So I do see it, you in his pain. That's what happens when we're praying together. At the end of the service, And you know, I've had every Sunday day. because I just cry with you, and so you don't. Know, have Let me just give you a little bit of counseling advice. If you're walking with a friend or a church member that's going through pain, don't try to say something. Don't try to say something awesome. It's usually when you're at your worst. Careless words down, I the word, the wise words may be. So you use some wisdom. Here's what you say. First of all, you to be there. Just don't remember that. Um, and if they're a little theologically inaccurate and they're paid, so what? Just, just outlive that, okay? If you build that relational bridge, you'll have plenty of time later to talk about how the sovereign God allows bad things to happen to what we perceive as good people. You can talk about that and talk about the gospel. But in that moment, here's what you say. And said, Today we're talking about pain and suffering. does not you just started crying out because you're in it. You're in it. Here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3. For everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh. You got that? So this is be strong somebody this is. If it's time to weep, then you weep. And part of the reason God has given us the emotion that is expressed in weeping is so that you don't feel guilty when it's a time to laugh. That you'll get to another part of the season of your life, and, you, and there's joy, and there's laughter, and there's celebration. And that God is. weigh stones and a time to gather stones together. One day i will fully explain why this means what it means. But what it means is there's a time when you take some bad memories and you throw them away and so say, remember, that you want. And then there's a time when you gather together the best memories, even in the worst situations. Silence, time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. So there's a time when you're battling it out, but then praise God. There's also a time. Went about preaching the word. So God uses the pain and the suffering of the first church to accomplish His will. Remember Acts one eight, well, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, The apostles in Jerusalem. And then it says And Judea, some of whom scattered in Judea. Wherever they went, they talked about Jesus. And Samaria, some went to Samaria. So there's one piece missing. You went to the ends of the earth. Is what the Almighty Sovereign God does. Church. This is crazy. But Saul, the main terrorist, God says, I know I'll pick him. And I'm going to lay on his road to Damascus. I'm going to pluck him off this horse and make him go blind. And I'm going to save him and redeem him and regenerate him. And give this little, about of three year Bible study one on one with me. And then I'm going to send the very one that was causing the pain and suffering in the church to be the herald of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because he's suffering. Saul that becomes Paul. He writes a letter to the Christians in Philippi. It's a little letter called Philippians. He writes it from prison. And he says this. He says, um, Let your gentleness be evident to all. And in prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Somebody that's going through an unimaginable pain. It's, it's, you know, when you know people going through pain, I put myself there. I always think, what would I do if it was my kid or my wife or my dad You know, you just can't help it. There's so many times when I look at that, and you know, I cannot believe the way you are responding. I mean, you're not acting like it doesn't hurt. I mean, there, there's pain and there's tears and it's legit and it hurts and it hurts. And like the Savior, not the situation. And you have this peace, this hope, that transcends understanding is the way the Bible translates it, in my translation, it doesn't make sense. There's no reason you should get out of If I was in your situation, I think i might pull to the covers over my head and you stayed there forever, but you got out of bed, and you came to worship, and you lifted your hands high, and you say, God is good. Church, my prayers is that God would bless us. I'm really hoping that's the direction he goes. Lord, bring us whatever it takes to draw us into you. If you are walking in pain and suffering, then just know uh, if you'll let us, we'll be your church and you will not walk at we don't promise cash and prizes, we don't promise that, that all the details get worked. sons of death on the cross, even while we were still sinners. And we hold on to that, and we hope for that. And we pray that God's peace would transcend understanding and guard your heart and mind. In Christ Jesus, in stand. name, we pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, I am humbled that you would once again allow me to stand before your people and open your word and by the power of your spirit proclaim your gospel. That you're the only one that anybody in this place sees. That are in pain, God. Like would you? I don't even think I have permission to do this, God, but would you let our folks know that they have permission to weep, they have permission to mourn, but they also have permission to dance, and permission to rejoice, and permission to celebrate? And God, that you can be glorified in you, God, may you be glorified in us individually and as a church in our blessing and.